Okay, so I wonder what would your idea be of a perfect house? I'm sure if I asked 10 people here, I'd get 10 different answers. But there was actually a real estate survey done earlier this year and they surveyed Australians asking them what would be your perfect house. And it came back and this was the general gathering of the uh, survey data and it said that most Australians would consider four bedrooms, two bathrooms, a double garage, an open living space, be close to school shops and transport and have an outdoor living area with a barbecue. What do you think? Would you think that that's probably fairly accurate? I think it probably is. Now, whether our homes are the perfect one or not, they are very important to us. Maybe not because of their design or even their appearance or their space, but because home is a place where we can just be ourselves. It's a place where we can find shelter, but more importantly, it can be a place that can become a sanctuary for us, a place where we feel safe. There's an expression, um, my home's my castle. And have you heard of that? And why do people say that? I think it's because they realise that when, you know, when it's their home, then they have the control. No one from outside can sort of interfere and control. They have the control. They sort of become king of their space. But if we're king of our homes, then what's the name of our kingdom? Hold, hold that answer for a minute as we explore more understanding of what kingdom means. Now, in the Bible, more than 85 times, the writer refers to a kingdom. It's not one of which we can be king. It is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And both of these terms are interchangeable. It's the spiritual realm over which God reigns as king. This kingdom of God or this kingdom of heaven actually describes the sovereignty of God and by extension, the sphere of influence within which his authority is both welcomed and acknowledged. As Joel said last week, this kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven starts in our hearts. And today, I'm looking at how this kingdom, his kingdom, not ours, can be established or is established in our homes I wonder if you know that North East, North Lake started in a home. The first Sunday of 2000. And I was looking at, there were 26 people there. And I, look, I was counting it up last night. And I think there's almost 70% of the people that were there on that first day are still a part of North East today. Isn't that incredible? It is. It's, in, it's very exciting. And the incredible thing is that we met in a lounge room. And um, Luke was re remembering this last night. He said um, it, was in, it was actually Prue and Michael's home, but they were in England and Kylie and Cameron were um, renting it at that time. And in the, Luke said, I remember on the library shelf there in the lounge room, there was um, volumes of Anne of Green Gables because <laughs> Meredith was a... She, she looked like Anne of Green Gables. And uh, who was, Meredith was a part of our church back then. And, um, and then out in the yard, there was the cricket pitch where everyone was out straight afterwards and playing cricket. And then we were sharing together, eating in the kitchen. It was just absolutely a wonderful thing. But I think that actually is a picture of what God wants the church to be. 
I think it want, he wants it to be just like that. And the home is really where the church starts. I believe the church starts in the home. And then it's the, you know, the bigger church is an expansion of that. So thinking about that kingdom, I think there are three things. It has a pattern. That sort of kingdom has a pattern by which you live in that sphere. It has a power that has control over that sphere and, and a product, the outcome of living in that sphere, in that kingdom. So let's look at those three, pattern, power and product. In Genesis, the pattern of God's kingdom is established. We see God's perfect pattern established here. We've got God's people in Genesis, they were Adam and Eve, living in God's place in Genesis, that was the Garden of Eden. And enjoying God's rule and blessing. God set that up, that perfect pattern. Now in this pattern of the kingdom of God, the relationships like Adam with Eve, Adam and Eve with God, Adam and Eve with nature or with creation, they're perfect. Just as God intended them to be. But sadly, this pattern was destroyed by sin. But through Jesus, this pattern for God's kingdom was re-established once and for all so that we can still live within that pattern of the kingdom of God. God's people, that's you and me, living in God's kingdom or God's place, the kingdom of heaven on earth, enjoying God's rule and blessing. So how is this pattern outworked in my life? Well, as Joel said last week, it starts in our hearts. It can't be external first. It has to start internally and then it's outworked from there. So let's quickly just recap about, where, about how it starts in our hearts. Because for us to have the kingdom of heaven in our heart with God on the throne, we have to admit that we have messed up the pattern, that we have sinned and we need forgiveness. And that's only made possible because of what Christ did on the cross. Then we have to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. That means that he is the king of my heart. He's in control. And then we have to believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. So that the power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in me because I believe. Can you think about that? The power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in me. Through believing. Now, once the kingdom of heaven has been established in our hearts, then it can be established in our homes and every space where we live and move and have our being. Jesus used a parable about a house to help us understand the pattern for establishing the kingdom of heaven in our homes. Now, if you've had anything to do with building a house, then you'll understand why. Jesus chose this example because it makes so much sense. When Ian and I um, built our current home, which is now, you know, 30 years ago, um, we, we, both, we both stood on this block of land. We had lots of places we wanted and didn't agree on. But when we both stood on this block, we both agreed this was the place God wanted us to be. And then we, you know, got a builder. And, and when the site supervisor came on, he made a mistake There were two properties at the time that they were working on. One was in Rankin Park, one was in New Lambton Heights, and they got the sites mixed up. And uh, our site was supposed to be cut so that the design would fit on the land, and the other site, which was very low-lying land, had to be filled. 
but they they you know mix them up. They put 25 loads of of fill, sorry, 25 truckloads of fill on our land, and they cut the other land. Now I'm. I, the poor person, their land was already low. I saw it, so I, my goodness, where it ended up, I don't know. <laughs> but ours ended up very high, which, which we thought was okay, except when they tried to apply the plans, it wouldn't work because they'd built it according to cutting. Anyway, so we went on happily with that. We've, we've you know, got a more elevated home. We thought that was good, except um, over time, the house has been sinking because of the fill. It was just you know, dirt. And so gradually over time, the house has been sinking and you could see the cracks in the house forming and things slipping, you know, becoming um, they're no longer beside each other as they should be. And we had to get someone in, to, an engineer to come and do something with the foundations to be able to stop the house from totally collapsing. So when you hear this story, this makes a lot of sense to me and I think it does to you too. Matthew seven twenty four to 27. Everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. When the rains fell and the floods came with fierce winds beating upon his house, it stood firm because of its strong foundation. But everyone who hears my teaching and does not apply it to his life can be compared to a foolish man who built his house on sand. When it rained and rained and the flood came, with wind and waves beating upon his house, it collapsed and was swept away. Such a great teacher, isn't he, Jesus? The message is clear to us. If we want our home to remain unshaken, intact, then we need to make sure that we build our house on the rock on a firm foundation, and we've been singing about that this morning. I mean, think, talk about God orchestrating things. You know, Shane didn't know I was speaking on this this morning, and he chose these songs. God brings it together when we trust him. And we build our house on the rock who is Jesus. I don't know if you were brought up in Sunday school and probably of my generation, which is a fair while ago, we used to sing a song called Build on the Rock. I'm not going to sing it because I'm not going to sing and embarrass myself. But it said, build on the rock, the rock that ever stands. And we do the actions, build on the rock and not upon the sand. You need not fear the storm or the earthquake. And then we'd all scream, shock, you're safe forevermore if you build on the rock. Now, it sounds like a cute kid's song, but how true is that? And our children, to learn those things, like this morning, our God is strong, he's big, he's super wonderful. We want them to know that truth, and so we teach them. And this is a truth that we need to know, not just in our heads, but in our hearts, that if we don't build our, if we build our, our lives, our homes on the rock, then we can have confidence that our homes will stay strong. But they get shaken when we don't, when we build our homes on the things that our culture says are strong and stable. We can't let the culture be our truth. The Word of God is our truth. And if we build on what the culture says, you can be sure that it will become unstable and unsteady. And when the storms come, we're in an unsafe place. If we build our homes on comfort or privacy, entertainment, or even safety, without making room for God to speak, then when the rains of trials or the floods of crises come, our seemingly strong house will fall apart. 
As the parable of Jesus reminds us, we need to listen to the voice of God when he speaks into the foundation of our lives to guide us, to shape us, to correct us, to comfort us. And then not only do we need to listen, but we need to do what he says. So that's the pattern of the kingdom of God. Then we have the power of the kingdom of heaven in our homes. Do you remember the last time the power went off in your home? I wonder if you can remember back to 2007, the June floods with the Pasha And actually at that time, some people's power went off for days and days. Do you remember? And I remember that um, because we couldn't have church here because there was no power here. And so we ended up having one of our services at um, St. Philip's Library and because they had power and we rented that. And um, people came with their hair dryers, they came with their phones to charge them because they had no power at home. And so when events like this happen, we're reminded of just how much we depend on electric power when we have no lights, no refrigeration, no television, no stove, unless, of course, you'll have gas no heat or cooling, whatever it is. When the power goes off and the candles come out, we realise that our day-to-day 21st century lives come to a screeching halt. We take electric power for granted. It's there. We turn on the light. We expect it to happen and it usually does. And we really depend on it. And I think something could be said about similarly about divine power. I think sometimes we take the presence of God and the power of God in our lives for granted. But then when we break the pattern and move away and it's not there, suddenly we realise how much we do need it and depend upon it. So how is the power source in your home? Not the electric kind, but the power that raised Christ from the dead. Because that is the power that is at work in us who believe. Are you experiencing supernatural power in your home? That's what God wants for us to to experience. And the source of power in kingdom of heaven homes is the Holy Spirit. In Acts, Jesus told his disciples that they would receive power after the Holy Spirit had come upon them. So they waited until the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost And when that happened, their world was turned upside down. Now, you may not want your home to be turned upside down. Well, not literally, I'm sure. But I'm sure that you don't want to live without power either. So like the disciples, we have to ask for the Holy Spirit to come upon us in power. And there are three action steps you can take for that. A, B, C. A, you have to admit you need God's power. Admit you can't do it on your own, that you don't have what it takes to do it on your own. You might want other people to think you do because we're afraid to admit weakness at times. We'd rather pretend that we have it all together than admit that we don't or that we are weak. Or perhaps we really do think that we have it all together. When we pretend, and I say pretend because really we can't be self-sufficient. We might think we can, but we can't. We short-circuit God's power for our lives. And if you want to access God's power, you have to start here. You have to admit that you need it. In uh, 1 Corinthians, 
chapter 12, verse 9, Paul says, but I am with, sorry, God says, but I am with you. That is all you need. My power shows up best in weak people. Now I'm glad to boast about how weak I am. I'm glad to be a living demonstration of Christ's power instead of showing off my own power and abilities. So admit and then be, be connected to the source of power. If you want power, get connected to God and you'll get it. John 15, 5. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When you're connected to God, God gives you the power you need to face the challenges that you have to face. And then C, you have to choose to trust God's power. God's power and my faith, the Bible clearly shows this, are connected. And for for me to get God's power, I have to trust him. It's a faith choice. By faith, I choose God's way and then God responds to my faith and he blesses me with strength and power. It works. There's a real connection at work. He sees my faith and he turns on the power in my life. Jesus actually said that a house divided against itself cannot stand. It's weak. An army with two generals yelling commands at the same time is going to be defeated. God will not rival you for the control of your home. He's not going to fight you for it. It's a choice you have to make. You have to trust him to be the king of your home because a divided home is a powerless home. And finally, what's the product of a kingdom of heaven home where we have the pattern in place, God's power present? Well, it'll be a home. I want to give you a couple of things. You can think, is my home this? It'll be a home whether you're single, whether you're couple, whether you're a family, whoever you are, it's your home. And the kingdom of heaven home will be a home that looks beyond its own interests and desires. Yes, we're a home for ourselves or our immediate family, but we're also a home for people outside of our home. I remember when the boys were young, after youth, they used to have all the boys come and sleep over at our place. We'd have like the, the rumpus room was just full of of teenage boys, you can imagine, 16, 17-year-olds, all sleeping over. But you know what? Many of those boys today are still in church because they're part of a fellowship. They've experienced a kingdom of heaven home. And God wants our homes to be like that, open and welcoming. It's a home, a kingdom of heaven home is a home full of worshippers, worshipping at home as well as at church. The reason God made us to worship him is not only restricted to a building on a Sunday. He wants us to worship him every day. And you know what? If we worship throughout the week, it will make our worship on Sunday so much richer, so much more of a blessing. And, so, and when I say worship, I don't mean just put the music, worship music on in the background. That's just, that's just you know, sort of mood music. It's where you actually engage with the worship from your heart. Thirdly, a kingdom of heaven home has people on their knees praying and seeing God answer prayer. And I mean that physically as well. I believe a kingdom of heaven home, you need to be physically on your knees praying. Let your children see you. If you're a family, let your children see you on your knees praying. 
because you know that God is the only way. God is the only answer. A kingdom of heaven home is a home where Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 9 is evident. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames on your, of your houses and on your gates. So add to your home. You should have conversations going. We should be talking about God. We should be having signs in our, in our house, pictures, symbols that represent God's presence and prompt our thinking. People should know as they walk in that this is a place where God is honoured. Next, if, if we're going to have a kingdom of heaven home, it needs to be an outpost for ministry rather than a retreat from our mission. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be a sanctuary, but it needs to also be a place for mission. And when Ian and I bought our home, we said, this is not our home, actually. This is God's home. And so we, we open our home for whatever God wants to use it for, whoever wants to use it. We've had people live with us. We've had people come and, and share, share with us. We have meetings there. I mean, I... Di was talking to me about Alpha next Saturday and I said, oh, look, I'll give you a key so you can come to our place. And she said, don't worry, I've already got one. (laughs) It's an outpost for ministry. And we need to be able to release our hold on it and let him be king in our home. We need a kingdom of heaven home is a home that makes serving a part of the rhythm of your home. One of the reasons that I find serving easy because as a child, mum and dad would be serving and people day and night in our homes, in the church. And we would just became a part of that. You know, this morning, um, Shane arrived and his girls were here and they said, how can we serve? And then they lifted all the chairs and, and, and moved all the chairs with me. You see, when we make serving a part of our family, it and particularly I say this to parents, make sure that serving is a part of your schedule. It'll have a long-term impact on the spiritual development of your children. And we model that. But it also needs to be from a heart that wants to serve God. We shouldn't be pleading with people to come and teach in kids' church. What a ministry, honestly. We shouldn't be pleading for people to come and help us set up in the morning. It should be part of our heart to serve We love God and we want to serve him. How can we do it? He's given us gifts and talents. Let's use them. And finally, and there's more than this, but I need to conclude. A kingdom of heaven home needs to keep an eternal perspective. We may live in our homes for years, but it's still temporary. Our earthly home is not our true home. Heaven is our home. That doesn't mean we can't treasure our earthly home and love it as a part of of ministry, as a part of our family, of what we do. But it does mean that as we enjoy our home here on earth, we need to prepare our heart and the hearts of our family to live forever at home with the Lord. I invite the band to come. So, let me propose a new way of thinking about your home and your family. What if you began viewing your home as an embassy of God's kingdom and your family as ambassadors whose lives represent their king? As a Christian, you can literally claim your home as sovereign territory 
of the kingdom of heaven. You can decide that this place will embody the values and priorities of King Jesus. You can view your home as a place of refuge and peace where the love of Christ is on display and people can see the gospel in living reality. If you want to do that, then I invite you to stand and declare, I will build my house. I will build my home on a strong foundation. And to build your home on a strong foundation means you are declaring that Jesus is the King of your home, of the Kingdom of Heaven in home that you are building. That means you have to trust in Him completely. Trust Jesus. So let's sing together.